Rachel McAdams. And I said, the time traveler's wife? And he said, about time. And I said, time traveler's wife? And he said, about time. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. All right. Hey! We are here. Hello, everybody out there. Hey! Doing the, doing the chat. And everything. This is Recotopia episode fourteen. Uh, the big recommend today will be Hard Boiled, John Woo's nineteen ninety two mm. action film. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm Jeremy Scott. No, <laughs> I'm Chris. And I'm Chris Atkinson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm Chris Atkinson. Hey, I would like, uh, and I'm Jeremy Scott, and I would like to start the show by saying I didn't screw up the timer. Yeah, I did the timer. The timer was correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He hauled the bee ball. Uh, I am very excited about this episode. As usual, we've got some really interesting stuff mm-hmm. uh, to recommend for all of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get started. Let's go with the small recommends yeah. to start the show. Yeah, small recommends. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. Uh, uh, I'll kick it okay. off. I'll, I'll cut you off and then kick it off. Um, <clears throat> let's start with a 2021 black and white film that I just recently saw called Come On, Come On. This is an interesting one. I, I feel like there were a lot of positive reviews for this movie, but I also saw it hit a couple of worst lists. So it was kind of an Ooh. interesting uh, situation with that movie. Anyway, please do go on. I, I, it, I don't know why that would be. Uh, maybe you just have to be in the mood for this kind of film. Um, basically, Joaquin Phoenix um, and his sister Gabby Hoffman haven't <laughs> haven't talked to each other in a really long time. Uh, they're uh, estranged, but uh, their mother uh, has recently died, and she has to go to her estranged husband, who is mentally ill, and take care of him, and needs Joaquin Phoenix to watch her her young son. And this is a nephew that he has no relationship with. Um, and then because his own work life uh, comes calling and Gabby Hoffman has to stay away for too long, they end up having to go on a road trip, basically from California all the way to New York. Uh, and the little kid bugs the shit out of Walking Phoenix. And in many ways, this is just a very classic kind of storyline. Uh, it's a bad Santa kind of storyline, well, if you will. Of course it is. Of course well, it is. It's like a, a crustier adult <laughs> and a charming, annoying kid who, over the course of events, in this case a road trip, uh, come to understand each other better. There's some really touching moments uh, where the kid shares that he's scared he's going to have what his dad has, this mental illness that his dad is suffering from. Um, really touching uh, drama. i do not not sure why it would make a worse list. That doesn't make any sense to me. I could see somebody going, okay, that was just all right but not thinking it was awful. Mm. I, I like subdued Joaquin Phoenix an awful lot. Yeah. Like he's great in Joker. He's great when he goes off the rails, but 
soft, subdued, mm-hmm. walking. There's something special there. This is from Mike Mills, a guy who made Thumbsucker in 2005. Yep, yep, um, yep. Made a movie called Beginners in 2010 and 20th Century Women in 2016. Uh, so not a lot that you've heard of or seen, um, but I liked it. It's 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are just some crabby people out there. Um, well, yeah. It's, I would give it... It seemed to be getting mainly positive reviews. Like I said, I, saw, I think I saw it at least on one worst list. It may not have been on uh, uh, anything more than just one, but... I'd seen a lot of positive reviews, but it wasn't getting very much Oscar buzz, too. And that's odd, considering. Uh, unless Joaquin Phoenix's whole thing about uh, calves uh, in you know his acceptance speech when he won yeah. has turned people off of him uh, uh, at awards time and whatever. But, um, but uh, I don't know. It was one of those where I heard about it, and it was. It looked like it was uh, getting some good uh, awards buzz, and then it kind of fell off the uh, face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. I uh, if you want to watch this, folks uh, at home, it looks like our options galore. I saw I saw it on Showtime. Uh, it's on Hulu and Amazon for premium subscriptions. It's on the Roku channel and Sling TV for premium subscriptions. It's called Come On. Come on. Mm-hmm. All mm. right. All right. Um, uh, I saw a uh, movie in the theater, uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, the uh, Nicolas Cage meta movie. Um, and uh, and look, this is a light recommend, okay? This is not one of these where I'm like, you guys must see this. But I I... I, I do love the fact that we have actors out there who will play themselves for a whole movie, for a whole kind of a a joke thing. Being John Malkovich was one that we that we remember fondly. Um, and uh, and there's there's you know th- you're, you're expecting because this is a Nicolas Cage movie about Nicolas Cage that he's going to have one of the most zaniest, craziest performances he's ever made because that's the kind of movie this is. But it's kind of temper that down. And hearing him uh, get interviewed about it, I, I get the sense we may have never gotten the really crazy version of this movie um, mm. because because uh, he said he talked to the director and the director wanted to make something that was full of heart and blah, 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 and whatever. But... Uh, if there was anything that I wish this movie could have been more of is more insane because it is one of those things where I feel like there should have been, uh, this should have been almost, a, a I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of references for references sake, but it would have been nice to have a lot of like really re- obscure ones. Although guarding test does make an appearance in this movie. <laughs> Um, of all the movies. right 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 uh and there's a point where uh cage uh walks in on uh comes into pedro pascal's um uh you know uh it's it's obviously going to be a shrine room we know it's going to be a shrine room before he even opens it up but opens it up and it's 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 a it's a it's a kind of a crazy shrine but not like as crazy as it could have been um, it could have been just really over the top, but they just kind of somehow found a way to keep it tempered. Uh, the story of it is just that Nicholas Cage is a struggling actor at this point, And he is, his agent is played by Neil Patrick Harris. And, um, 
and uh, he uh, he's having a hard time finding real leading man work anymore. And the only thing that he gets thrown his way that's worth a lot of money is someone wants him to come down for a birthday party. And it turns out to be this arms dealer played by Pedro Pascal. And um, and Nicolas Cage goes down there and we see uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, who are part of the CIA, see Nicolas Cage get off of a plane. They're like, oh, shit, uh, he's coming down to visit this guy. What are we supposed to do? Because they are apparently investigating Pedro Pascal. And uh, <laughs> they end up trying to get Nicolas Cage to work with them uh, uh, to to help take him down. And there is a kidnapped daughter of a of of someone running for an election in another country, and uh, they're they're trying to save her before you know they're trying to save her before she gets killed. Uh, so he's having to play this sort of this double um, this double uh, life kind of thing where he's he's kind of working for the CIA and he's also trying to be the best Nicolas Cage he can be for Pedro Pascal, who is obviously a huge Cage fan, knows all of his movies, uh, you know, everything. And it's really fun that way. Like I said, though, it would have been nice if it went crazy. There is one moment in there. He put, he talks to his younger self. You see it in the trailer where he's like, Nick, fuck it. He holds that fucking for like probably 20 seconds. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Nick fucking cage. And it's the younger version of him that looks like the old, like moonstruck once, bit, uh, not once bitten, uh, vampires kiss, uh, Nicholas cage, uh, who is, who's like dying for him to be a big star again, uh, and be in a lead role, even though, you know, now Nicholas Cage is like considering himself more of a character actor and more complex roles and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's, it's some, it is fun. I just, like I said, I just wish it could have gone a tad bit. And like, it, this is a movie where you have license to, to, mm-hmm. to really like dangle that crazy carrot and you, and you, and you, and you, and you cut it off. Just, you pulled your punch just a bit. <laughs> Ah, interesting. Very, very interesting. But uh, that one was already on my radar, and now it bumps up the list a little bit Mm -hmm. with that recommend. Mm -hmm. My second small recommend for this week is a 2008 joint. No, it's not a Spike Lee film. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called The Ruins. Oh, Um, yes. I know The Ruins. And this uh, stars Jenna Malone, uh, Sean Ashmore, Jonathan Tucker, who's the villain in the Charlie's Angels movie I love. Yep. Uh, and Laura Ramsey. Right. Um, this is referred to as a natural horror or a nature horror film. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. Uh, two couples are in a foreign Central American country, South American. I'm sure they say where it is. I have forgotten. I'm an American racist. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they are told about this secret thing that most tourists don't know about. This, these ruins that you can go see if you go way off the beaten path to where you probably can never find your way back. Uh, <clears throat> so they're like, yes, shady person, we will go to this uh, awesome place we've heard about. And um, they end up basically getting trapped on the top of the ruins of this pyramid-like structure by these natives who sort of surround the property and won't let them leave. Uh, they try to leave and people get hurt. Um, so they have to go back up to the top of the ruins, and they're not sure how they're going to get off. And then uh, the murderous vines start growing vines. and protruding from uh, the ground. And there's a big cavern in the center of the ruins. And that's really 
all you need to know, baby. Um, <laughs> it's short, it's sweet, it's scary, it's inventive, uh, but it's not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, I find it to be a very solid movie, and I hope you will enjoy it if you watch it. Uh, let me see. Right now, if you want to watch The Ruins, which has a miserable 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and a 5.9 on IMDb, mm-hmm. God, my thing is recommending shitty movies, apparently. Sure. Um, I don't think this movie is bad at all. I think this movie is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on HBO Max. It's on Hulu, and you can rent it from all the other usual suspects. I um, hate it. I don't know what the deal is. I uh, I saw this uh, when it came out. It was one of those Thursday night before it came out movies that I watched, and uh, I end up, I think I liked this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it since, uh, and I may have to look back and see if I can find anything that I wrote about it. Uh, somewhere but um but uh but i i think i remember enjoying this uh like it it was it was unexpectedly better than i thought it would be so yeah i don't know where the i mean i should have looked at the ratings i usually do before i even wrote it down to recommend i've seen it three times i like it Mm -hmm. it's a solid recommend from me but i don't know yeah um uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, doing uh, a, a movie night with some friends, uh, the, this, this guy uh, picked a couple of uh, movies from the uh, pre Hays Code era, where you could uh, sort of still get you could sort of get away with some things um, before the Hays Code. He weren't like able to go full on out and say fuck and stuff like that in it but uh but say fuck no you shouldn't say fuck fuck no that's right so to uh to get us in the mood for these movies that were short uh he uh he he played some other stuff uh as sort of a primer before we watched those two movies and one was laurel and hardy short the music box and um i had never seen this is hard to believe I had never seen a Laurel and Hardy movie, uh, any short, wow. any movie, nothing, never seen any of anything from them. You'd think I would have, but I haven't. Um, but all this is, it's a very simple premise and I'm sure many of the Laurel and Hardys did this kind of thing. It's about two guys moving a piano and trying to move it to this house that's at the top of this hill and just a constant comedy of errors that keep happening as they move it up, as they try to walk it up these steps. Um, and, uh, and there's just some, just, it, there's some things where you know where something's going to happen and you still just laugh anyway because of the way they execute it. Uh, the timing is perfect on this. Obviously these guys were vaudeville act, uh, vaudeville act before they went into, uh, you know, silent film and then regular film and things like that. Um, uh, one of my, one of the funniest things is them getting all the way to the top and then, and then they're walking it towards the house and somehow this piano slides down and then turn, makes a turn and goes back down the stairs. Uh, it's one of the funniest things that you, that you'll ever see. It's just, this is just very simple, very fun comedy. I think it's a 20 something minute short uh well worth trying to find i don't know where you can find it actually i think it's on youtube i think a lot of the stuff is on youtube in fact probably 
Um, but uh, yeah, having never seen Laurel, I've I've seen the biopic with John C. Riley and Steve Coogan, uh, but I haven't yeah. seen any of the I haven't seen any of the uh, their re- actual stuff. So I I. I fully recommend this i saw another one afterward i can't remember the name of it but it's about christmas trees it's about the, they're, they're selling christmas trees and it's the same sort of deal where they go they're going door to door trying to sell christmas trees it's really fun too but um huh. uh but uh uh highly recommend uh the music box uh a, re- a lot of fun yeah we got my brother and i got a, a healthy dose of laurel and Hardy and uh abbott and costello mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so I've seen a lot of these guys work, and if you haven't seen um, Stan and Ollie, the biopic he's talking about with John C. Riley, uh, that would be an excellent double feature with some Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, now it's time for the big recommend. The big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Um, the big recommend is John Woo's Hard Boiled, a movie that came out in 1992. It was his last film he made in Hong Kong before he came to the States. He made Hard Target was his first um, movie in the States, which is not uh, all that bad, actually. Hard Target. No. It's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's really, it's actually pretty, pretty good. Um, there's arrows and there's kicking. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, uh, Hard Boiled uh, is sort of John Woo's Dirty Harry uh, uh, movie. This is a you know cop that is uh, plays by his own rules and and uh, you know it doesn't matter what his commander tells him. It's really he's the one who's really in charge. It doesn't matter if you take his badge and his gun. He's gonna find a way to to get back into the action later and there's going to be no consequences to it at all apparently john woo had been making a bunch of gangster films before this and he was uh, criticized for glorifying gangsters and stuff the previous movie called the killer which is really good uh was before this another chow yun fat movie um uh, but he decided this time i'm gonna i'm gonna uh give give the cops their due uh if you've seen um, if you've seen an undercover cop movie and this one, Tony Lung plays the, uh, undercover cop, um, you know what, what you're dealing with. The undercover cop is always too deep, right? He has to, he's so deeply into character and he has to do so many bad things, uh, that he doesn't feel like a cop anymore. He doesn't even know who his, what his identity is anymore. I feel like there's some real truth to that. I don't know any under, I don't know anybody who's been an undercover cop. Maybe that's the point. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, but just to think about all the things that all the moral lines you have to cross, uh, being an undercover cop and you see he has multiple ones. Tony Long does in this movie. Um, well, not only does he have to be a cop and he has to put the bad guys away, but there's actually a, there's rival gangs in this, uh, that one played by, uh, an, an older father figure type who he works for. And then the younger guy who's trying to hone in on all that business that the older guy has, uh, who wants Tony Lung on his team. Um, and so he has to make he has to make decisions even with even within the the world the the gangster world that he's in uh that uh that 
don't jive with what he wants to do because you can see you can tell he's got like this uh, affinity for this older father figure type in the movie uh even though he's been trying to put him away this whole time and and everything but uh but uh chow yun fat is basically the cop who comes in and basically fucks up all this undercover cops work a lot of the time there's three big huge action scenes in this movie but the first one starts at a tea house where chow yun fat is is on the is on the trail uh of of this of this gangster and uh he 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 doesn't know that's the thing nobody knows who's undercover and who's working for who and all this type of stuff so once the action starts getting hot and heavy in these movies and people start getting killed you end up killing people on your own side without even knowing it uh and uh and it's a lot of craziness that tea house scene is what sets the tone for this whole movie um mm. it is chaotic action it is it's got that it's got that unforgettable chow yun fat going down the banister shooting those guys and it also introduces you to an editing style that is i think popular popularized by the wild bunch that was the sam peckinpah movie back in the 60s and there's an there's an editing style where it's like a fast action cut to slow motion cut to you know that type of thing the difference between the cuts in these kind of action movies and, uh, say, your average Resident Evil or something like that uh, that, that pops along that has wildly cut action scenes, they're not cutting to something random in the middle of the cutting. You know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, somebody in the banister scene, it's him going down the banister. He shoots, it goes, and it cuts to another angle of him blowing away these guys down at the bottom of the stairs and it cuts to another shot but it's it always maintains focus it never cuts to somebody like reloading their gun or somebody looking looking off screen or any of that type of stuff that we see in a lot of uh, big american action movies um that's why the cutting here even though it's fast and frenetic is way better than anything that you see in most American action movies. Yeah, in fact, one of my biggest notes, I wrote this one in all caps, the continuity in this movie fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie at times is absolute chaos, mm-hmm. especially the warehouse, the middle action sequence, yeah. which I think is the best one, is that warehouse. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really ever lose track of where I am. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know who... Which side every guy firing is on, but to stage that scene with like 60 fucking guys or more all shooting at everyone and keep the viewer like in the room mm-hmm. without completely losing their perspective of where everything is, is it reminded me of Mad Max Fury Road in terms yeah. of the planning that had to go into shooting these action sequences to be able to have that continuity. He's just not spraying bullets and setting off squibs. Although I do think this movie probably kept the squib industry in business <laughs> single, single <laughs> and away for years. Yeah. Uh, there's an intention behind every angle and that's what blew me away the most. I had never seen this movie and I wish I had seen it in 1992. Yeah. Man. I wish I could go back and see this in 1992. I think it would have exploded my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that was what stood out to me the most over the whole film is how much of an orchestrator he is. It's not just blind violence and, and gun voyeurism, mm-hmm. although there's plenty of gun love. Yeah. Uh, there's a purpose, I think, to every shot, and it's really, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, speaking of that factory scene, which has so much going on in it, you have the betrayal by Tony Lung of his of his employer that's in that. Uh, you have, mm. you know, you have, first off, you have the younger gangster going in and, and with his crew and killing off a whole bunch of people in that factory. Then you have Chow Yun, then you have the big betrayal scene. Then you have Chow Yun fat coming in and swinging at, down on a wire and blowing away <laughs> a bunch of people. It's a bunch of craziness going on. There's also that scene, uh, and, and talking and just, just st- still marveling at the editing. There's a rhythm to it. That's amazing too. There's a scene where, uh, is it the mad, is it mad dog? Is that the character's name? Um, he's got the, he ends up having an eye patch. Um, yeah, that's mad dog. Um, uh, there's a, there's a scene where there's a bunch of guys in a room and he just throws a grenade in there. It's it. He, you see him get the grenade. It cuts. You see the grenade go into the, into the room. And then you see, he cuts back to him. He's like, all right, job's done. And then the, and then it blows up and there's just something very, uh, lyrical about this kind of cutting in a, in a movie. It's, um, it's hard to explain. Uh, you can fuck this up so easily in the editing room yeah. and, yeah. and, and in this one, everything, every beat is correct, uh, on how, how it does. I'm pretty sure that's the scene where he unpins two grenades with his mouth oh yeah and then throws them that's it uh, that's and it. then later there's a fire and he's leaning against a car and he just kind of casually leans over and, and lights a cigarette with the <laughs> raging fire on the, the hood of the car yeah. there's so much humor here uh that was also unexpected action-based humor very many ways reminded me of john wick three and mm. i was cackling dude on motorcycle jumps off of a car there's some random guy in the middle of a semi-trailer and the motorcycle just <laughs> slams him into all the boxes yes. in there. And it's happened so fast. I just started dying laughing. Like it's so <laughs> fun and inventive, even while being like grossly violent. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And apparently according to the IMD, IMDB, the body count in this movie is 307, um, oh. <laughs> which is, which sounds low. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that factory scene is great, and and it's amazing. Uh, Wu try uh, apparently tried to he shoots films in sequence, so he's trying to top each thing as he get, as he goes along. And the hospital sequence definitely has a lot of great moments in it, but you still go back to that factory one as the best scene in this. The the hospital sequence, by the way, took forty days to shoot. Oh my god! Um, the movie. Uh, some films would be wrapped in forty days. That's correct. This whole film took one hundred and twenty three days to film. Um, uh, the the hospital scene alone, forty days, I believe. The uh, I believe it is one full hour uh in that hospital uh, it's, uh yeah it's i clocked it close to that ah uh, when alan jumps on that gurney and rolls down the hallway and mm-hmm. just shooting people in the rooms with silencers as he goes by again cackling with joy yes. at the action there uh and i think that calls back to chow yun fat sliding down the banister mm-hmm. shooting as he goes yeah uh oh, it's just so much freaking fun but I, I do want to warn you my very first note 
This movie is violent as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't gotten that from what we've talked about already, if violence isn't your bag, um, you may not enjoy this right. because it's very violent. Oh, yeah. Man, I had such a good time. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I just, I don't know. This It's, it's uh, I, I've seen a lot of undercover cop movies and it just feels like uh, Tony Long's character in this, Alan, he... <sighs> he has more conflicts than I have ever seen any undercover cop have. Like even in the departed and Donnie Brasco and all these, I, it feels like this guy has more conflicts than anybody can, uh, uh, believe in this. He, uh, you know, because he's got a, he's not only got to pretend to be bad and then pretend and then save people when he gets the chance. He keeps, he keeps doing this. Let me do this or let me do this with the, and, 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 and saving people that, you know, he needs to save. And that puts suspicion on him, uh, by doing that. And then he, you know, yeah, you know, he has to, he has to somehow tell Chow Yun Fat, "Hey, I'm in on this." Without you know uh, breaking, you know, I, I don't know. It's 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 against protocol. I'm pretty sure to even tell anybody. Oh, yeah. um, but he knows that if he doesn't, he's just going to end up getting shot. Which is that comes to that great, also great scene in the factory where they end up. This is a very John Woo staple type of thing that you see when the two people end up pointing guns at each other, and and uh, he points it at uh tony lung and he shoots and the gun doesn't it it doesn't it does it misfire it doesn't it doesn't have bullets is he out of bullets it feels like he's got bullets right i read it as a jam it's a jam Uh, yeah that's what i thought it was but again this was my first viewing i i don't know for sure but again whatever the case may be the gun fails and there's that scene where tony lung uh, it's such a great acting moment too um, he, he knows that his, his, he knows that his job is, it could end this way. Um, and, and he, the, that the gun doesn't fire and he's, and there's that moment of, oh my God, he was actually going to kill me. He, and, yeah. and, and then, and then realizes this is the second chance. And this is, I think that's what sort of, you know, um, his character's so interesting in this. I, 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 you know, I think a lot of people have have uh, finally uh, seen Tony Lung. They saw him in Shang Chi and everything, and and uh, they're like, "Where has this guy been?" Well, he's been making movies like this, and um, yeah. and uh, and uh, this is one of his best characters for sure that I know of. I I haven't. And it's not like I've seen a hundred Tony Lung movies, but um, but it, it's it's certainly up there. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, any parting thoughts before we move on to the super secret surprise double feature? Uh, I don't think so. This movie is just jam packed with action and it's amazing and you don't see anything like this in America really. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's free on YouTube and it's free on YouTube. If you haven't yet watched it, you can still do so. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, it's time for the super secret surprise double feature. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal-to-your-door service that has several unique qualities to it. The first is that it's healthy. The second is that these meals are restaurant-quality. The third is that... They come already pre-portioned, so you're not wasting ingredients and you don't have to waste time measuring. This is just a great way to be healthy, have really quality meals that you cook yourself, uh, while also exposing you to new flavors that you might not ever have tried before. I never cooked with ginger before I joined HelloFresh. I never cooked with hoisin sauce or basmati rice before I joined HelloFresh. So in addition to providing me meals I can make and enjoy with my family, it also teaches me uh, cooking techniques that I can use on my own down the road. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. Just recently, the meals have included buffalo spiced crispy chicken cutlets, meatballs with bulgogi sauce, tostados supremo with pork, honey mustard pork chops, and the list just goes on and on. They all sound and taste that delicious. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Recotopia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Repeat, that's HelloFresh.com slash Recotopia16 and use the code Recotopia16 to get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go today. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Ultimately going to end up with something that I think is fairly obvious, but my, my brain first went to face off, obviously, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of similar similar John Wooisms, but I'm not going to double feature the same director. Um, I really sat on El Mariachi and Desperado oh, yeah. for a long time um, because of the gunplay for the most part. Uh, but in the end, I have to go with the Raid 2. Okay. Um, yeah. Because there are multiple big inventive action sequences where you never lose your place in the room. There's an undercover cop. There's a young up-and-coming gangster trying to fuck over or usurp the older relative gangster. Uh, The undercover cop is conflicted. Uh, I just feel like there are so many parallel themes uh, and and big vision action sequences that this would make a really good double feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I ended up thinking this is, that's the movie it reminds me of the most. 
is is the raid tube. Though, if you wanted to sneak in El Mariachi and do like a, a triplet, I don't think you could go wrong. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get then you get three different cultures. Oh yeah, of, uh, violent action. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So your homework for next week. Uh, this is next week's big recommend, and I'm finally pulling the trigger on 2017's Only the Brave. Aha! Uh, <clears throat> this stars Josh Brolin, Miles Teller, Jennifer Connelly, Jeff Bridges, Taylor Kish, and James Badge Dale. Uh, <clears throat> and it's just well-paced, superbly acted, and it's based on a true story. And this movie will sock you in the gut. This is Joseph Kaczynski. His next film is Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. He also made Oblivion with Tom Cruise, and he also made uh, Tron Legacy. Yep. Uh, so I have liked or loved all of his films. And uh, you can find this on Hulu or Sling TV if you have a premium subscription there. Um, you can also rent it for $2.99 or $3.99 from Apple. YouTube. And uh, this is one of the many uh, on on Blu-ray. I have it in the collection. Haven't watched it movies, and uh, ah. so this will be my first uh, chance at watching that. And I'll get to crack open a Blu-ray I haven't opened. So, um, so uh, this is this will be uh, this will be awesome. Yeah, and uh, I've seen this movie bunches and bunches. There's an extended version that I didn't know existed. Then I got my hands on it, and I've seen that bunches and bunches. Um, just really, really great. Okay. Uh, only the brave next week's homework. All right. So time to move into some questions and answers. Yes. Are you ready? Here we go. Ready. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. First question. What is your favorite movie where the main character's face is hidden for most of the movie? All right. So I'm going to go very basic here. Darth Vader in the Star Wars trilogy. Um, and uh, I don't know if it mean if the question means it's got to be the main character, but George Lucas claims that uh, the original Star Wars trilogy is the end of Anakin's story. And that's really he's the main character, even though that's not true. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but anyway, uh, as far as a main character is concerned, I'm going to go with Darth Vader here, and and uh, we it is and it is mostly obscured until the very very end, when we find out it's not James Earl Jones, it's somebody else. It's some purple looking eggheaded guy. That's right. From the Batman TV show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I do want to point out before I answer, somebody in the comments is saying that uh, only the Brave is only on Hulu if you have the TV add-on. So I apologize uh, for mm. misleading you there. I still say it's worth the two ninety nine, three ninety nine rent from anywhere. And now Tom in the chat has stolen my answer to this question, which is V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you could go Dread, Carl Urban. Um, I go Hugo Weaving, V for Vendetta. I think it's... Star Wars is a little different. That was always going to be two performers. Um, but when you're an actor and you're asked to cover up your face uh, mm-hmm. and mute your voice behind a mask, I think it's a pretty big task uh, to do so and make yourself compelling. Um, and I love Dread, but I think Carl Urban's performance there is a lot more one note than what Hugo Weaving does in V for Vendetta. I actually feel like you care about that character mm-hmm. by the end of it. Um, so, uh, that's my answer. Uh, anyone in the, they, in I the see, well, I see a vote for the Vincent Pry price, the fly, uh, uh, which is a good one. Uh, apocalypse now. Yeah. With Marlon Brando. 
Um, especially like, I mean, he's not in the movie, but he's talked about constantly in the movie all the way yeah. towards the end. And when we finally do get to the Kurtz compound, he is completely in shadow for the longest time until he finally emerges while he's making that big uh, monologue. Uh, yeah. so, um, so yeah, uh, uh, those are, those are good ones. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next question. What movie, good or bad, and all that is in between, makes you tear up, cry, get emotional, no matter how many times you have watched it? My answer is Bicentennial Man. Okay. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. gets me every time. The score is effective, and the acting is superb. I don't know who's pulling the heartstrings, but they're pulling hard. Yeah. Uh, Chris, how would you answer this? Uh, I'm going to, uh, another easy answer here, the Shawshank Redemption. Um, oh. Uh, and just, I mean, the scene where we finally see him leaving the prison and, and how he's how he does it and culminating with that coming out of the pipe at the end and the river and everything. Everything builds so well to that point. It's and you and you realize that he's been in prison for over 20 years 30 is it 30 maybe at that point um he's been he's been in prison for so long and 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 wrongfully uh that once uh, once all that uh has that big huge crescendo with the Thomas Newman score and everything it's uh, it always mm. gets me mm. that's a good answer uh i've got two and I, before i've even answered i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about <laughs> these movies mm -hmm. uh, about time is my number one answer mm -hmm. uh, which i only ever saw because my brother recommended it he said i got a movie about time traveling with <laughs> rachel mcadams and i said time traveler's wife and he said, about time and i said time traveler's wife and he said about time <laughs> and that's how i learned rachel mcadams has been in multiple time travel movies um it just gets me in the end. Mm -hmm. He knows this is the last time he's going to see his dad, and his dad says, let's go run along the beach, and it's just, oh, yeah. bah, bawling. And then I'm cheating because it's not technically a movie yet, but Hamilton, which is on Disney Plus as a film, oh, yeah. I suppose. It's quiet uptown. Mm -hmm. It's going to make me bawl like a baby, I imagine, till the day I die. I just, I cannot, by the time it gets to there, I'm just so in this asshole's corner uh, Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm, I'm every bit as sad as he is. Yeah, for sure. In the chat, we have defending your life, which I, 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 I regret to say, uh, even though I love Albert Brooks, I have never seen that movie. I need to go watch that. Um, that's good shit. A league of their own. The letter. Yes. The letter for sure. That's a, mm. it's a, that's a big scene. Uh, Coda, Coda from JC that definitely is a, got an emotional moment. Uh, we, uh, spoke about Hamilton. Yeah. The green mile, Edward Delacroix, of course, and John Coffey, both of their deaths are, are, uh, absolutely emotional. I remember by the way, in the green mile, um, I was, uh, we had, I think three prints of the green mile. You were still working uh, with, we were still working yep. together at the time the green mile came out. Uh, I was watching it that Thursday night and Steven was in another, uh, auditorium watching his green mile. And, uh, he comes into my auditorium crying and he's like, he's like, do you mind if I watch the rest of this with you? And he's like, <laughs> cause he said his movie, like his print threw off the platter and it happened right at the John coffee scene. 
and oh, no. and uh, and I was like, yeah, man, Let, yeah, come on, come on, watch this, watch this, watch the rest of it with me. So then he cries again, mm. and then he has to go fix a fucking print yeah, on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, oh yeah, and of course, uh, yeah, Home Alone, the old man, and uh, of course, the old man got to- the guy hits the propeller in Titanic. Yes, that that's uh, that's that's a serious answer. I saw. Uh, I don't know, I'm sure it's fake, but I saw an image going around yesterday or the day before of an action figure from Titanic <laughs> with all this professional art and it's guy hitting propeller. <laughs> so there's a little plastic <laughs> propeller, and like a little tiny plastic man on top. Of it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Moving on. Um, <clears throat> what is your favorite weird movie? And why is it Zardoz? Mm, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Why is it Existence? Mm-hmm, kidding again. Mm-hmm. What's the real answer? Um, I don't know how weird you would call it. It is a bit weird, but uh, John Carpenter's They Live is probably my favorite weird movie. Um, if you're not familiar with They Live, it's uh, you know, we're living in a society where aliens are basically taking over, and all the ads that you see are subliminal, are are hidden messages inside. Uh, that are making you conform, conform and and whatever, and it uh, and uh, eventually Rowdy Roddy Piper gets a hold of these glasses that allow him to see the real world for what it is, and he gets to see who's who's a who's a human and who's alien. It has like this extended fight sequence with Keith David. That's that's I I don't know if it's meant to be hilarious or what because it just keeps going like they they punch the hell out of each other and you feel like it's over and then like there's more fighting right after that and then you're like okay it's over now and more fighting happens after that um uh but uh but uh they live is uh is a, an incredibly fun weird movie for sure all right mm-hmm. that's good i feel like Eventually, whenever I see it, my answer might be this everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, if it ends up hitting me in a positive way. It certainly sounds weird as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still on the Green Knight train. Yeah. Um, I fully admit this movie is weird as fuck. It is. And most of what it's got going for it is stunning visuals. Absolutely. And weird shit. Mm. And at the end, I think it's got some stuff to say, but it's definitely mostly just a weird-ass fucking movie. Yeah. Um. Same with Annihilation. Yeah, like definitely. I think you could probably draw out five or six different things you think that movie's trying to say, and then you could also probably debunk each of those. Mm-hmm. Like that movie's whatever he was trying to say is t- too deep for me. I'm just there for the weird, and uh, it's there's plenty of weird, and that bear. That yeah, wig, oh my god, yeah, that's that that bear thing is is one of the one of the craziest moments I've seen and. I don't know in at least 10 years for sure. Um, uh, on, uh, on the chat side, dark city. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, uh, uh, a Southlander, a Swiss army man. Yeah, that's a crazy one. Everything everywhere all at once is definitely a crazy movie. Um, um, and then, um, yeah, and then uh, and then Chris Batkinson, uh, my namesake, says uh, it mm-hmm. takes some weird lawyering to do The Matrix as a weird movie. So, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I also just recently saw The Lighthouse, um, which I didn't seek it out. It was just there, mm-hmm. and I didn't turn away. You know, that guy's not necessarily my. That was a weird ass fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Too. I don't know if you saw that movie. No, weird as hell. Yeah. <laughs> 
House two, the second story. There, we there go. you go. Patrick's always good with those. That's for that's for sure. Um, All right. <clears throat> Moving on. What are your current top five actors? People that you get excited every time they come out with something. Now, I appreciate that the, the question asker put current, mm-hmm. which does suggest that we are allowed to change this list uh, and actors or actresses are able to come and go. Uh, over time. So currently, Chris, who are your top five actors that get you excited when you hear of a new project? Um, and, and I took one of yours, um, on this, uh, but, uh, but, um, and I, and I, I don't know if I'm missing somebody or what, but I know that these actors, every time I hear something about it, I'm like, I've got to go see that. So Daniel Kaluuya is one, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is one. Anya Taylor-Joy, Florence Pugh, and Jodie Comer are all on that list right now. Ooh, that's a very good list. Mm-hmm. Jodie Comer is everywhere, and so is Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. And Florence Pugh is the one that's on my list and yours, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess we just crowned her uh, queen. Mm-hmm. Midsummer uh, For good reason. Mm-hmm. Just came out with the trailer yesterday for Olivia Wilde's uh, don't worry, darling. I don't know if you watched that trailer. I haven't seen the trailer, no. It is bonkers. Oh, yeah? I I saw somebody uh, tweet, uh, I am all the way in for whatever the hell this is. <laughs> and that's a good way to describe my experience. It's uh, very interesting. My my five currently, Denzel, still the senior elder statesman mm-hmm. on my... I'm still excited for any and every Denzel project, including Equalizer 3. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Bring it on. Um, Chris Pine, uh, yep, yep, probably my current number one, and he also is in this uh, "Don't Worry, Darling" movie I just mentioned, and he's playing this enigmatic, cult leadery kind of preachery, bossy kind of. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin Devers, um, yeah. book smart. Um, I'm gonna blank right now. That Netflix show, unbelievable. I, I think it was unbelievable. Not sure. Um where she was attacked and nobody believes her story. But she is great. She's great Mm -hmm. in everything. Uh, Florence Pugh. uh, And then Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm even excited for Creed 3. I don't give a shit Mm -hmm. about boxing movies. Right. But he's been so engaging in the first two Creed movies, and he's directing the third one. Oh, is he? So, uh, yeah. And so I'm curious to see, you know, what he can do behind the camera, but he's a very engaging actor. Uh, Very excited for his Black Superman project that they're working on. Um, let's see, uh, who the, the live listeners have to say is in their top five. Uh, Jenna Ortega is, uh, given a mention. She's in the new scream, uh, movie, uh, that came out. She is really good. Mm. Like it's, it's, I, I, at first in that, in the, in, uh, when you watch scream, it, it, it's, it, it's hard to get around some of the, cause they, they throw in these, I don't know if you ever get this way about movies. Like sometimes profanity is like a, a distraction and the way she's yeah. using her profanity in that, in the opening scene is so like weird that it throws you off. But like, there's a lot of scenes in scream where she's like, Oh, Oh, there's, she's like really good. Actually. I think that, you know, she might, she might actually, uh, uh I'd like to see more of her. So, um, um, yeah, also in X as well. Uh, and she was in that movie, the fallout 
that I recommended uh, as a small That's right. a few weeks back. That's right. Uh, about a school shooting. She's fantastic. Yep. Uh, we got a, a Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, someone's calling him. Uh, Josh is calling him Broccoli Cum Snatch. Hmm. Um, uh, then there is uh, Jesse Buckley, who uh, sort of emerged seemingly out of na- nowhere as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's really good, too. I really like Jesse Buckley. All right. <clears throat> we will uh, move on now to... Our final question of the day, mm-hmm. uh, and this one I like. This one I feel like whoever wrote this question knows us pretty well. Uh, what are some actors you would like to see in an Aaron Sorkin movie or show? Mm. Well, um, uh, the I, I think of fast talkers uh, or people who are uh, capable of doing fast talking. So Robert Downey Jr. and Jennifer Jason Lee, especially from Hudsucker Proxy, Jennifer Jason Lee uh made me think uh that they would be great sorkin uh uh actors uh downey yeah. jr especially in like natural born killers where he's just like so manic oh, yeah. and crazy throughout that whole movie but um but uh but yeah it's uh those two i think would be great in sorkins there's a very distinct at least when he's writing uh, uh directing he's shown a little bit of um i guess different genre looks but there's a very distinct sorkin style of writing mm-hmm. uh that is there whether you're watching west wing or studio 60 or a few good men mm-hmm. uh or even newsroom um you can tell you're watching sorkin and if you're a big fan you appreciate mm-hmm. it. you appreciate when the jeff daniels of the world can go on newsroom and blow your mind by giving you that sorkin dialogue and then do it again with um jobs um <clears throat> or steve jobs I never get those. I get those movies confused all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, so I recently having watched my cousin Vinny, I'm going to throw Marissa Tomei. Ah, yes. Um, and she doesn't have to do the New York accent from that movie. Uh, but I do believe uh, she's got the chops to handle that dialogue that Sorkin's going to throw at her, um, but also the range. And then I'm also going to throw my boy George Clooney in there mm-hmm. because uh, I think movies like uh, Michael Clayton, um, sort of hint. They give him a few little monologues where he gets to, I am not the guy you kill. Yeah. I am the guy you buy off. Yeah. Um, and he's already done the walk and talks with ER. Yeah. Uh, they were doing the walk and talks. There's that John Wells connection to West Wing mm-hmm. uh, before Sorkin came along. So I, I think they could both spit out that dialogue uh, and make it really believe. Yeah, those are th- those are some really good choices, and that would be. Uh, I think that would be a little bit of a departure for Tomei, uh, and I think she would be great at it. But uh, we're used to a certain kind of Tomei role, uh, and I'd like mm. to see her in something different like that. Um, uh, some uh, some other mentions here: Dennis Leary, of course, big fast talking oh. uh, person. Yeah. There, Gilbert Gottfried, unfortunately, can't do that anymore um colin farrell uh would be would be pretty good melanie linsky melanie linsky's awesome eisenberg was oh he was already in mm-hmm. denzel would be good uh colin farrell showed us something in the batman that i feel like he has kept hidden i wonder speculatively if it wasn't all that makeup mm-hmm. that let him extra slide into that role i like colin farrell just fine uh but i don't know that he's done anything up until the batman where i went that guy can act Mm -hmm. like i saw daredevil the other day and he's playing bullseye and i've seen the recruit a few times Mm -hmm. he's fine 
I think Tigerland was his breakout film. He's good in that. I don't want to say he's a bad actor, but I feel like that went from zero to a hundred in mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. I'm just curious to, to know where he's been hiding that. I don't know. He he hey. he has those moments, right? Uh, have you ever seen in Bruges? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's excellent. I mean, he he's but, got he he does for every like movie where it's like he's great. It's another one where it seems like he's sleepwalking here and there. Or you know, yeah, uh, the Lobster is another another good one. And 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 when you know, uh, uh, talking about fast talking, he is so fast talking in the Lobster. My God. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I see Killian Murphy making an appearance. Yeah, Killian Murphy would be good. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I like that. I like that question um good stuff yeah all right well uh that's gonna do it for recotopia episode uh, 14 uh next week's homework is on only the brave which will be my first time looking Ooh. at it so hopefully i like it if i don't oh well hopefully you do <laughs> <laughs> if i it, it becomes a it come, becomes a warrantopia not like we haven't done that before but um uh but uh anyway uh thank you so much out there in chat uh for contributing and yeah. uh and helping Thanks us out uh, today, um, uh, we love having you here. Um, but that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R E C O T O P I A at cinemasins.com. Um, so I, there's a sort of a debate I've been having. Uh, uh, I, I went to go see uh, Jack White on uh, Saturday night. Awesome. Playing at Ascend. This is the second time I've seen Jack White, and okay. um, and there was, uh, you know, he he in his encore, he ended it with Seven Nation Army, which you um, uh, I wasn't expecting to hear Seven Nation Army whatsoever. I mean, it's one of those songs, right? And right, I, I, uh, I, I, I. Just seeing how he enjoyed playing that song, or at least pretended to enjoy the song. Who knows? But I was sitting there going, man, Jack White fucking gets it. There's something about his performance on stage and everything. He's the true, like, rock and roll guy. Um, for sure. He, 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 he plays for the audience. He wants everybody to, like, have a good time, everybody to get involved, all that. And, uh, and, uh, and afterwards, you know, I was, I was talking to, uh, Jeff who bought the tickets and was talking to, uh, my, uh, buddy Travis, who I ran into the guy I've known for like 30 something years and just ran into him. Um, uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, you see, you know, uh, Jack White gets it. You know, there's, uh, there are people out there who this is their first Jack White show and they want to they want to have one experience with Seven Nation Army. That's how famous that song is. Um and and then he played it. He he could have not played it. You know, there's a the, 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 there's there's an expectation a lot of times a song has been played so many times the artist doesn't want to play it anymore. Right. But there was like some sort of hesitation on my friend's part about it saying eh well you know i mean i can understand if the songs they played it so long or whatever they don't want to play it again or whatever and i was like man 
I, to- I completely disagree with this. <laughs> I, I think you should play these famous songs every time. I don't care if you have played it a million times. This A song that is that famous, yes, you're tired of playing it, but people are not tired of hearing it. And th- like I said, this is the, maybe the first, this is probably the first Jack White show. I would say a majority of the audience, probably their first ever Jack White show. Want to hear that song, man? So, so I'm sorry if you're tired of playing it. Get the fucking shit out and play it. The extra problem comes if you're an Orioles fan and you're sick to death of that melody <laughs> because the fans chant it about 30 times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other sports teams that also do this, but I that song has been ruined for me by... Fucking baseball fans, mm-hmm. of all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say prior to that, I liked that song a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything you're saying about Jack White, I mean, there's a reason he put down roots here and has a record shop here. And uh, I think he owns the basement or co-owns the basement, mm-hmm. um, which is a performance uh, dump, but everybody right, loves right. it. Um, <clears throat> right. Um, <laughs> You know, and the last time I felt this way, I saw Beck at Ryman. Oh man! And and Beck is another uh, musician that I think really gets it. He he understands how to play to an audience. Um, and and uh, you know he's probably tired of playing where it's at, but he pulled uh pulled where it's at out, man. He pulled mm-hmm. it out, and I'm sitting there going, I'm at a Ryman show, Beck here in like whatever it was twenty. 16 17 or whatever when i saw him that song is 20 something years old and this motherfucker's still playing it like it's the first time he's ever had a chance to play it on stage and that's everything i don't think yeah. people understand that i remember like uh younger when i was i would see some some bands that didn't play their like one of their big hits or whatever i'm like yeah i get that you know they don't want to don't they don't want to play that whatever but man, like and now I look back and I'm like, that's just such such a waste. I saw Nine Inch Nails uh, for the first time probably in 1994, 1995, one of those, one of those years. And Closer was one of the one of his biggest radio hits, even mm-hmm. though they had to edit the shit out of it. Um, and he didn't play it. I mean, that was a that was not even a long time after that song came out. He didn't play it. Um. And I just thought that was really strange, even though I, you know, I left to go and add, I didn't need to hear closer. I didn't need to hear that song. And I heard all the other ones that I wanted to hear. But then later you're like, wait a minute, that would have been really fucking cool if he had played that. Um, I had, I dated a girl in college. She was a sweetheart, but one of her isms that she said all the time was, uh, ret to jet. Like, are you ready to go? Oh, are you ready to oh, jet? Oh, oh. She would say... She would ask it or she would declare, Rect to Jet. Mm-hmm. And I, every time I was just like, man, I wish, as a boyfriend, I had the confidence to say, stop saying that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, brie- very briefly dated a girl who said, get her done. And I didn't know that was a Larry the Cable Guy thing at the time. Oh, no. And I, was, I, heard, I heard her say it and I was like, what is this? Get her done. <laughs> fucking thing that she's saying i don't get it and then later on larry the cable guy did, oh she got it from larry the cable guy okay it's probably a good reason why i didn't continue with that 